0: 1928. 1928, the world's most successful financiers. They, they met together at Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Uh, there, there were the richest men in the world gathered at that event. In fact, their value, their net worth, was more than the United States Treasury at the time. The the people of the nation were urging the youth to follow in their path, to follow their ways in order to be successful. However, when we looked at that group 25 years after that meeting, here's what happened to each of those gentlemen. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, he lived on borrowed money the last five years of his life, and he died broke. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cooten, he died abroad insolvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, served a term in Sing Sing Prison. The member of the president's cabinet, Albert Fall, he was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. The greatest bear in Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, Leon Frazier, and the head of the world's greatest monopoly, Iver Drugar, all committed suicide. All of their stories, all of these men, they learned how to make money, but they forgot to learn how to live. One sixth of the Gospels, including one out of every three parables that Jesus told, touches base on stewardship. Now, we know that Jesus wasn't a fundraiser but he dealt with money matters because money matters. For some of us, though, it matters way too much. W. Graham Scroggie, a pastor from England who served the church in the early 1900s, he said, there are two ways in which a Christian may view his money. Two ways. How much of my money shall I use for God? Or how much of God's money shall I use for myself? J.H. Jowood, another powerful preacher from the turn of the century, he said, the real measure of our wealth is how much we'd be worth if we lost all of our money. Stories after stories of people who who finally got their, their riches that they've been going after that won the lottery They won the lottery. What a great thing where they became multimillionaires overnight. I heard a stat somewhere that said about 85% of all lottery winners go bankrupt. But above that, many of the stories, they end up in divorce, suicide, tax evasion, drugs, gambling, and more. In 2015, In the year 2015, there was a study conducted in the United States on uh, self-storage units. Self-storage units. I've always chuckled at self-storage units, but maybe some of you have them. America had 54,000 in 2015, 54,009 self-storage facilities. When you add all those up, 2.63 2.63 billion square feet of storage space. 9.5% of all households in the United States of America have a storage unit. Our, our, our homes in the United States are huge, huge, yet we need more places to store stuff. My dad, for three or four years, spent $100 a month on three storage units in his town of Morris to store stuff that he didn't even need because he got it when my grandma and grandpa died. We don't like to throw stuff away because someday we may use it. I remember when Sherry and I, we we got married. We moved into a big house in Newark. This missionary gave us this big house for extremely low rent. And well, we had to fill every one of those rooms, right? So people started giving us stuff, and we started accumulating, and then, then I became uh, a youth pastor in Minnesota. And we moved to a, a, a very small two-bedroom home on Nicollet Avenue in Bloomington, Minnesota. And we didn't have room for that stuff, so, so we stored it. We stored it at my cousin's house upstairs in a vacant room. They had a huge farmhouse, and they didn't need that room. Fast forward five, maybe six years after that, and we still hadn't gone up to that room. As we moved back to Newark, we didn't need the, apparently didn't need the stuff, but when I went up there and I looked at that stuff, man, what treasures I saw. You see, I like hoarding things. I like looking at stuff and thinking, I'm going to use that someday and collecting things. Kind of like my dad and that. My grandpa, in fact, he even went as far as he built an entire uh, shed because he was an auctioneer and he would just buy whatever was left on the on the, on the hay rack. You see, that's what we do when we're greedy. It really is. We, we believe that that we're saving something, we're saving money or we're saving material objects for that rainy day, for that rainy day where we're going to use it. It's like that huge box of cords that you keep at your house. I'm preaching to the choir. I have a huge, huge box of cords that probably are obsolete. But that one time that I'm going to need it three years from now on that one cord, oh, it's going to be well worth it. And I will be standing, standing tall. You see, we justify our large collections of whatever it is. We say it's our hobby. We say it's what we need to do, but I'm thankful for my wife, Sherry. I'm thankful for, for her urging me to get rid of stuff and to donate it to other people. I, I, I'm thankful, sometimes she's begging me, to, to move stuff out of our home on a, on a quarterly basis, basically, of stuff that I'm not using or stuff that we don't need that someone else could be blessed with. It's really kept me in check But it brings us to our scripture today. Today we get to learn from Jesus Christ. We get to learn from a random guy in the crowd. And we get to learn from a bird. So if you're able and willing, would you join me in standing as I read from the book of Luke. I'm going to start in chapter 12, verse 13. Luke 12, 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher... Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, you have made, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, oh, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. We're on verse 20 now. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure himself and is not rich towards God. And he says to to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do the As small a thing as this, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Verse 30. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, sell your possessions, and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart be also. Heavenly Father. Bless our time. May you be glorified in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. You may we be seated. Well, we've got quite an interesting story today in our scripture. As I studied through the week, I, I again just beat myself up. I again beat myself up because of the conviction that I have upon the sins that we are digging into. And that's what scripture does to us. And that's the danger that some of us think about reading scripture. We don't want to be convicted. We don't want to be changed. We don't want to be uh, altered in our life. I'm so thankful that God's word proves to to always change me, to always affect me. Let me paint a picture of what, what we're seeing here in the scripture You see, Jesus is talking to his disciples. That's his his official audience. But there's thousands of people that that are gathering around him. And and he's explaining how God knows everything. God sees in the light and he sees in the dark. He he understands the hairs on your head. He knows the count of them. He's trying to remind them that that God is the one who deserves the honor and the glory. And, and, And he's telling them, he's like, and I'm the son of God. I'm the savior. He's trying to help them get a heavenly perspective. Then he goes in and he he talks about God being the judge. And again, himself being the savior. And he says that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, that every man needs to acknowledge the acceptance of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling these disciples, and telling all those people around him about the Holy Trinity. I mean, this is, this is profound stuff that he's talking about. Then, then this random guy just shouts out something that, that had nothing to do with anything that he was talking about. Have you ever had that? You're having a good moment with the kids, and, and, and you're, you're trying to get, oh, Man, the kids are eating this up, and they're gonna learn so much from this, and and, and it's just really profound and it's quiet, and, and then all of a sudden a kid just chimes in. Hey, can I go to Johnny's house on Tuesday? You're like, where did that come from? Well, that's our situation right here. We have a guy who who's having this dispute with his brother. Best that we can understand, we assume his brother's in the audience too because Jesus, he's asking Jesus to say, hey, tell my brother. So he's probably there too. And, and they're having this dispute over an inheritance. The brother probably was the oldest, most likely the oldest at that time, would be in charge of the estate, wouldn't be given all the money to, to squander on himself, but to be in charge and to oversee the spending and what was happening with the family. And, and the, the guy yells out, teacher, teacher. The guy yells out, teacher. Well, you see, back then, a lot of times the rabbi would be in charge of of, uh, civil situations, like splitting an inheritance. It it could be a situation where a rabbi, a teacher, would be overseeing the situation. And and so he, he says, come on, help me. However, it comes out of nowhere. I mean, Jesus is talking about these lofty things, these major, life-changing, eternal-changing things. But this guy, I could just see him. He's chomping at the bit. Come on, just, come on, I want to say it. I want to see it. I'm waiting for my opportunity. As soon as Jesus closes his mouth, just for a second, he shouts out. He doesn't care about Jesus' what he's teaching. He doesn't care that he's teaching on the Holy Spirit and, and on God. He doesn't care that he just said that the rabbi who he's referring to Just said that he was the Son of God. None of that matters. He just needs Jesus to help him get his money, which he thinks belongs to him. So, together, let's try to understand what greed is. As we see from the story, and as we probably know from everyday living, greed is about trying to get more money. You see, this man, he's seeking how he can get more money, more money than he, than he currently has in possession, but also we see that in the parable, how, how the man is trying to seek more money. So to summarize the parable, you have this farmer, this farmer that's actually having a tremendous year. He's got great fertile ground, and, and, and he, he just plants his, his, his crop, and, and the yield is tremendous. The meat yield is tremendous, and and he's got a great amount, a plentiful of his crop. Hopefully our farmers this year are feeling that exact same way. And and he says, oh my goodness, how am I going to store all this? What am I going to do? And he says, I got it. I'm going to tear down my current barns and build bigger ones, silos, if you will, to store it all because I don't want to take up any of my fertile land. I just want to build on the same, same plot area. And, and maybe you're like me. When you stop and think about just that, you think, man, that's a good businessman. That's a good businessman. He's thinking about his future. He's thinking about how he could capitalize on things. He, he's, he's, he's providing a, a real good nest egg for his future. I mean, we do the same things, don't we? We, we? we buy properties that are investments. We store large amounts of money in 401ks and build portfolios that are diversified, and, and, and money just keeps accumulating. We're setting ourselves up for a successful retirement. That's the goal, right? So let me interject something here real quick. Jesus isn't teaching that if you have a lot of money or a lot of things, that you're against God. That's not what he's teaching right here. King Solomon and King David, very wealthy. Abraham, extremely wealthy. Joseph of uh, Arimathea, he had a good amount of money. He prepaid for his, his own burial, and then he donated it To to bury Jesus. And and that's not even counting Philemon or Lydia, Cornelius. uh, How about the Ethiopian treasure that Apostle Philip helped bring to the Lord? All of them, very wealthy. Yet they love the Lord. This story about this farmer that did so well with his crop isn't about wealth. No, it's about what he thought of his wealth, what he thought about the stuff that he had. Well, based on how the story was told, the farmer was focused on getting more and more money. He wanted to build large buildings so that he could have the crop for years to come. So so what was he doing? He was making sure that he controlled the supply and the demand. So the more crops he allowed to stay in, his bins, it would not flood the market. Because if he flooded the market, the price goes way down. So he, he held on to it. So he can control how much was going on, so he can build more wealth. He wasn't doing this just for money's sake, though. He was doing it to increase his own goods. Look at verse 18. And I didn't catch this before this week. I never caught this. Verse 18 says, And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. I never caught that. And that's what greed does. It seeks more money and material items. That's what the man shouting, oh, he, he wanted his share of the inheritance. He, he, just like the farmer was seeking it, seeking more money, that's what, the man shouting out, they wanted to increase both their money and their materials. Jesus says in verse 15 of our scripture, this time reading from the NIV, just for a help of clarity, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. These men are focused on money and materials, which is exactly what Jesus is saying to be on guard against. Basically, Jesus is saying this hey, don't be desiring the things of mankind. Instead, be focused on the things not of this world. Not of this world. I see four things that we need to evaluate when we're when we're seeking treasures. Four four items. What is our heart favoring? What is our heart favoring? At the end of the section of scripture, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is one of those verses that you can literally flip around and say with with great uh, scriptural content, where your heart is, there is your treasure. You see, many people have, have commented through the years, through the ages, that if, if you could check out someone's checkbook, uh, their ledger, their credit card bill, if you, if you could look at someone's finances, you can get a sneak peek into what matters most to them, of, of what, what is of concern, where their heart is. You know, I, I've been involved with several nonprofits. And, and, and I know one of the schools, I was actually involved in the scholarship process uh, where they awarded scholarships. And so I was on the committee, not, not always is the superintendent involved in stuff like that, but this particular school I was. And it was interesting watching their process because they would take the forms that people turned in for, for uh, the uh, financial aid, if you will, And they would look at the salaries, and they'd take a look at that, but they would almost always skip right to the second-to-last page and look at their charity giving. It was amazing to see that when somebody had given a lot away, that all of a sudden, their scholarship was made quite available. It's just the way they, they operated, I always think about that with my kids. What do they think of Sherry and me? What do they think about our heart? Are they, are they seeing us as, as someone who's storing up treasures? Or do they see us freely from the depths of our heart, willing to give away our money and our time and our skills when other people need it? And that goes for our head, too. What are we thinking about when it comes to money and material possessions? What are are we thinking about? The guy who shouted out in the scripture, he wasn't thinking about godly things. We've already touched base on that. He, He couldn't wait for Jesus to shut his mouth just long enough so he could get his point out. Scripture teaches clearly that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, all kinds of evil. Do you catch yourself thinking about how to make more money? How you can get money to pay off that debt or, or to buy that boat? Or to get more money to buy the farmland or replace the windows? Or to upgrade that phone or that car or that computer? Are you strategizing on how to get a raise? How to store away for later, or how to get enough for that cruise to Alaska. Again, hear me please. I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad. We all should be paying off our debt. We all should be uh, thinking about if we're getting a raise or not. And maybe, maybe we should be taking an all-inclusive trip to Alaska. All, All of those things could be in the realm. However, if those are the things that are controlling your mind, controlling your thoughts, that's when it gets dangerous. That's when it becomes greed. That's when it's, we're missing the mark. And I do this all the time. I think about the things, how can I improve the thing in my house? Craig was at my house the other day. Fixing my toilet, putting a new one in. Appreciate that, really appreciate it. But, but I, I, and he saw my bathroom of the construction that I need to complete in it. And so I start strategizing, okay, okay, how do I, how do I save for this? Or, or how do I cut spending here? Or how do I, how do, I do that? You know, I, I, I'm not tooting my own horn here. Sherry's in my horn. I really am not, but, but we, we faithfully give to this church. We strategically tithe to Village Bible Church. But you know what? I often don't think about it, because I do it automatically. It's just happening. And and I I don't think that's, I think it's good that I'm giving, but it's not good that I'm not praying over it and pondering it. I love people. I can go to the sandwich fair right now and go sit at that yellow building all day and talk to people. I'm kind of strange. I think I'm an old person. I, I could do it all day. But you know what? I have too strong of a hold on my wallet. There's, there's, there's generosity in me. Oh, totally. But not where when you study and understand God's word, you start realizing, man, what am I doing? I I need to be looking at my heart. I need to be examining my head more and more. And I feel like I keep throwing up asterisks in this message. I'm I'm not preaching this to get you guys to give more to Village Bible Church. That would be great. You're welcome to do that. But I, I believe that all of us Can do more in examining our heart and examining our head. I'm shooting arrows from God's word at myself. And maybe you're getting hit too. There's this lady in our life. And and two years ago, she wanted to go to Ethiopia with us. She she wanted to to go on us with us on a missions trip. And so she invited Sherry and I and, and the kids and Dylan Patrick went with us, and we went down to southern Illinois and visited his family. And we enjoyed church service together, and we had dinners together, and it was the last day we were there, and they said, we want to talk to you and Sherry alone. So we went outside and sat around a fire, and And she shared with us that she wasn't going to go to Ethiopia. I'm like, okay, well, you could have just told me. It didn't need to be an emotional thing. But she said, we have taken it to God. We have gone to God about this, and we don't have the money. I I can't be away from the kids right now. And uh, because of her husband's work, and then it was something else, and I can't remember the third thing, but she said, "Here's what we've decided to do through our prayers. We're going to give you guys 3,000 dollars: thousand for Jacob, 1,000 for Dylan and a1,000 for you and Sherry to split." She goes, "I already told you we don't have the money, so I've taken a job with a lady to clean her house, and we'll have the money to you in three months." blown away by their heart to seek God. To seek God about their finances. Seek God how they could bless people. They submitted their hearts to God and it really helped them to think straight. Oh, and they fulfilled that promise as well. Well, we also need to evaluate what our hands are grabbing what our hands are grabbing. This happens more times than you think. But people, we want stuff. We wanna take stuff. Even if it doesn't belong to us, we wanna steal. We don't want to, but it's just what we do because of our greed. There's a lady at a church that I knew she had been serving as the church secretary, the church treasurer, and the church bookkeeper. Dangerous combinations. Here at this church, we have multiple people counting the money together. One person does the books, another person is passing it on, and deposits. We have a lot of checks and balances that we have developed well in this particular congregation. But this con- the congregation I'm referring to, they didn't do that. This lady was the church secretary for nine years, I believe. And when it came out, when they figured it out, for the previous decade, she had embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars. She did it once and didn't get caught. And the greed started happening. She's like, ooh. I'm able to take care of my kid's college tuition. And did it again, did it again, and eventually it became the habit. She did it every single week for nine, ten years. How about those pens, markers, batteries, paper clips, computer paper, staplers, gas, whatever it might be I think we all understand this one Basically we need to evaluate if we are focusing on heaven or earth Matthew 6:19 it says it so well do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal You see greed can cause several things to happen in our lives when we're thinking about money and thinking about how we can gain more and get more possessions, we're actually putting out of our minds, we're, we're putting our minds on those things instead of putting our minds on God's word. I mean, the shouter in the, in the audience. Think of that guy. He wasn't listening to Jesus. He wasn't listening to God's word. He, he was just putting it I I don't care what he's saying. I'm not even listening. He He probably heard the blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's what you hear me speaking right now because your mind is on something else or you're struggling with something and you're not even hearing my words. You see, when we put our focus on money or on possessions, we can't hear God's word. We read it or maybe we listen to it and it's not even coming through. John W. Rockefeller said, I've made many millions, but they have bought me no happiness. In 1887, William Henry Vanderbilt said after he became the richest man in America, the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. John Jacob Astor, the first multimillionaire in America, he had an estimated net worth of $20 million at that time which is equivalent to $110 billion in today's dollars. Here's what he said. I am the most miserable man on earth. And who could say it better than the the man who took us from the six-day, eight-hour work week to the five-day, eight-hour work week? Henry Ford. He said, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. You see, having lots of money and lots of possessions, it takes time. It takes, it takes our, our focus away because we have to care for the money or we have to care for the things that we bought. We, we have to deal with them. And I think of even our cell phones. It, it takes so much time and energy away from us where we could be focusing in on God's word. We could be, we could be doing other things how many times have I heard this? And I heard it uh, from a couple during, Sherry and I, when we were premarital counseling, we had to go meet with two different couples. One couple that was similar to our age and one couple that was uh, a decade or, or two ahead of us. And we met with this couple and they said, we, our happiest times were when we had no money at all. When we had no money at all. Because then you you hunker down together. You snuggle in with your spouse, and you say, God can do this. I remember we were sitting on the couch at 108 East Main Street in Newark. Newly married, and the car broke down. And, and, And I said to Sherry as we sat there on that couch, I said, all things work together for the good. To those that love the Lord, to those that are called according to his purpose. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. We didn't have any money at all. I was working at the Amico, and going to college. But you know what? We had a clear focus on Jesus Christ. And sometimes we lose that. Sometimes we lose that. No, a lot of times we lose that when we're so focused on gaining more money or gaining more possessions, or we already have those, and we need to maintain them. Also, greed can cause us to forget about our neighbor's worries. Look at the parable again. The man had so much that he didn't, he didn't even know what to do with his grain. He ended up deciding to he knocked down the buildings, built bigger ones. But I got to thinking, Several things. Well, first of all, I bet he didn't do the harvesting. And I bet he didn't knock down his own buildings. And I bet he wasn't the only builder working on those buildings to build them up. And I bet in this fictional story that Jesus was telling that there were poor people on the streets and and lots of neighbors that were in need. Yet, that's not what the man thought about. The man thought about how he can live his life and not have to worry about things again. He wasn't thinking about the poor. Malcolm Forbes, one of the wealthiest men ever to live, he said, he who dies with the most toys wins. You've heard that saying. If we get a raise, guess what? We want more. If we win at something, we want to win at it again. It's what a lot of Olympic Gold medalists say it's empty. You just want to win it again, no matter what the cost. You, you push everyone else away. Malcolm Forbes and our farmer in our scripture forgot one major thing. They forgot that greed can cause us to lose sight of life withering away. You see, the farmer was set for life. He said, soul, let me eat drink and be merry the rest of my life his life was ending that night isn't that something you know the older I get I'm 41 kids would say I'm 41 and a half the faster time goes time just goes so fast now just the other day, my 17-year-old daughter Allie was, was born 15 years ago, 9-11. And we remember that day in great detail. Time flies. Only one life soon will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life uh, thinking about saving more money, thinking and contemplating how you can earn more so you can buy more toys. Matthew 6.24 says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. This is scripture talking. You cannot serve both God and money. So here's my challenge. My challenge to myself. And if you want to take it, it's the challenge to you as well. See, God can help us change if we'll just listen. We'll listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings. I need help in this area. And I I honestly believe that all of us are susceptible to greed in some fashion. I really believe that. And I really believe that individually, As couples, as families, we need to be coming together and we need to be talking about money. We need to be talking about possessions. We need to talk about how we should handle them, how we should pass them on, how we should earn it, how we should give give it away. And we need to do that through prayer. We need to ask God for wisdom on a daily basis. Proverbs 28, 25 says, the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. So trusting God by having hope in his provision. The end of our scripture teaches us about the birds of the air. It's the title of our, our message today. It's pointing to the ravens. It says, consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they, neither, they, have, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You see, God made you in his image. He didn't make the lilies in your image, he didn't make the birds in your image. He made you and me in his image. And God's promising to take care of us. It doesn't mean that we won't have any troubles. It doesn't mean that we don't work and just say, oh, okay, God will take care of me and and provide. Well, God calls us to, to many different things. Jesus did tell us to not have money as our focus. Our hearts, our minds, our hands, our efforts, all of that should be on God Almighty. It's hard, though. It is hard to have that as your mindset. It's hard for young people, and it's hard for us old people. And pray that God will urge you to help your fellow people. That God will help you to urge urge you to help the fellow people. Proverbs 22, 9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. So that's the challenge is don't, don't forget about those people around you that are in need. And it's not just people who are poor and sitting on the streets. It's people who need encouragement. You know, I think whether, whether it's your spouse getting some flowers and a card, sending an encouraging card to somebody else, uh, uh, grabbing a birthday gift. Bill and Alice, they, they always have a birthday card for you if, if you're in this congregation. I, I think if we took away our some of our greed with our time or our money, all of us would be blessing the other people. Sometimes we, we, we don't want to, oh, we don't want to spend that $10 for the jewel flowers. Because, oh, that, that $10, I, I, I need to save. And sometimes... That could make all the difference in in somebody's perspective of their day or their life and could give you an opportunity to encourage someone. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I try to remind my kids as much as I'm reminding myself that my money isn't really my money. Whose money is it? It's God's. I I wouldn't have any money at all if it wasn't for God's provision. I wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't for God's provision. I wouldn't have that crop if it wasn't for God's provision. That's what the farmer forgot. It was God's. God's the one who orchestrated the, the rain just right. God orchestrated the land to be fertilized perfectly. You know what? God could take it all away like that. Look at Job. Be just and honest in all your dealing with money. Be prayerfully dependent on God, pouring contempt on self-sufficiency. Use the wages earned by your work to provide and to bless others. Plan ahead and sincerely preface future tasks as if God wills. And finally, and most importantly in the entire message, rest in the justification by faith alone in Christ Jesus. That's where you rest. We cannot pay for our salvation. We can't, we can't save money to pay for our salvation. We can't earn our salvation through work, No amount of things will ever give us a better placement in heaven. No amount of stuff or money or land can ever give us a leg up with Jesus. Plainly, with your heart, soul, strength, and mind, I prayed this with Reggie last night, with your heart, soul, strength, mind, with everything you have, beg God to have mercy on you. Beg him to have mercy on you. Beg him to teach you. And praise God for the riches, for the riches that he has already provided by paying the highest cost of all, his son Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, you deserve all the praise and all the glory. And we can't thank you enough for for the price that you paid for your son thank you for the sacrifice thank you for uh, the resurrection thank you for changing us and for giving us the ability to look to you you made a significant deposits in our life Lord help us to to make deposits in other people's lives. Money matters, and we understand that. Things, possessions, even matter at times when we can use those to bless others, when we can use those to honor you. God, help me as a pastor to be focused on you and to read your word and to dig into your word on a daily basis, to be strengthened. Don't let me, don't let us continue to ponder on a daily basis things that don't need to be worried about, things that don't need to be our focus, clear our thoughts so we can be focused in on you. We can give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's once again stand and sing together.